So, question, does anybody in here ever, do you ever struggle with decisions and choices you have to make? Chick, right? Okay, help me out. What are some of those? What are some of this? Say that again? So deciding, yeah, what I, what I, what I, ice cream flavors. Now that is an honest answer. <laughs> okay. So far we got registering for classes, ice cream flavors. I can identify with both of those. What else? Choices you struggle with. Okay. Should I go to class? I can probably answer that one for you, what God's will is on that one. <laughs> Someone over here, if I, this is, we got a little quieter section over here. Sorry, I'm about to slap Jerry. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. What, what are some of the struggles and decisions? Sorry, I'm saying that wrong. What are some of the decisions and choices that you, that you have to face at this stage in life that can be kind of difficult? Applying for jobs, okay. What else? What to get at the Mexican restaurant. It's my dad. He loves Mexican food. <laughs> what else? Choosing a major, okay. Nobody wants to say it, but who to date, right? What? <laughs> okay, yeah, so is this going to be a good, healthy relationship? Yeah. You know, it's interesting. With those, that's just like kind of skimming the surface, but you all did a good job. Um, what's interesting, so that, those things in and of themselves can be stressful, but then when you, on, on their own, for anybody, but then as Christians, when you add to that the God's will aspect, it gets even more nerve-wracking, right? Because you're like, well, I've got this decision to make, and you're like, what if it's not God's will? You ever been there before? And you kind of start psyching yourself out and freaking yourself out, or you're telling somebody about it, like, I don't know, you probably, hopefully I've not been this person in your life, but you're telling somebody about an opportunity you have, and they're like, well, have you prayed about that? Are you sure that's God's will? And all of a sudden, you go from feeling really confident about it to like, I don't even know. <laughs> what am I doing with my life? <laughs> you know, anybody been there before? Yeah. I mean, it, can be, it, can be, it can be pretty stressful. And especially when you add to that some of the ridiculous, foolish things we believe and ways we, be- ways we behave regarding God's will. Um, and let me, let's give you a couple ideas here. So I'm going to call the first thing rope swing Christianity. You guys know what a rope swing is? Yeah, so long story short, uh, you have a rope attached to a tree or something that you can hold on to, and you swing out from typically the land out into the water. You know what I'm talking about? You've seen that before? I think there's a lot of like rope swing fell videos going on, like vines and YouTubes and stuff right now. Um, so uh, here's the key with the rope swing. It's all about timing, because if, if you let go too early, what happens? <laughs> you hit that. If you, if you let go too late... You swing out, and you come back, right? And you smack the tree. Or where, where Lauren and I grew up, there were in the rivers and lakes, there were a lot of times, like, lots of tree stumps in the water. So you had to not just time it right to not hit the land. You had to time it right to make sure that as you hit the water, you didn't land on a stump, because that'll leave a mark. You know what I'm saying? So it's all about timing. When, when do I do this? When do I let go? I think some of us, we, we um, view God's will as this timing thing that, you know what, if I don't get it just right, I'm going to get jacked up, <laughs> right? If I don't time this just right, man, when, when should I graduate? When, for some of you, when, when, should we, when should I start dating? When should I get married? Or, or when should I pursue this job? I, I, I don't know. You, you feel like if you don't time it just right, you're going to end up in a mess and like live the rest of your life in pain and misery. 
Another thing, I think, the way we view a God's will, we'll call it Holy Grail Christianity. Holy Grail Christianity. Anybody ever seen the old movies, uh, Indiana Jones movies with Harrison Ford? Some classics, right? Y'all remember, if you haven't, it's okay, I'll explain it. You remember the one, uh, Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade? Excuse me, this is where they're in search of the what? Of the Holy Grail. Which the Holy Grail was, again, it's a movie, but Holy Grail was the cup that Jesus drank from at the Last Supper. And they, in this movie, they believe that if they drink from the cup, they'll have what? Anybody remember? Eternal life. And, and, and really, they're immortal. It's so like if you have a wound and pour some water on it or drink it, that you'll be healed. So looking for this cup. Well, they finally get to where the cup, where the uh, uh, Holy Grail is. They go into this room, and there's this guard there. I guess he's supposed to be like 2,000 years old. He looks it, but he's standing there. And they come in, and there's the bad guy, and there's Indiana Jones. And the bad guy is going to go first. He's going to try to choose the Holy Grail. But the problem is, they go in this room, and there's, there's cups everywhere. So then he's like, I don't know how to choose. Which one do I choose? I don't know. And here's the deal. If he chooses the right one, perfect, right? Eternal life, immortal. If he chooses the wrong one, it's going to kill him. So it's a big decision. So the bad guy picks a cup. It's kind of funny. I mean, well, it's kind of sick too. But he, So he, he picks a cup. He gets some water. He drinks from it. And he's like, eternal life. And all of a sudden he's like, what is happening to me? And he literally on the spot, like at that moment, disintegrates and decomposes right before their eyes. Like literally, it's kind of gross to watch. And so I love it because the girl that's with him in Indiana Jones are freaking out. They're screaming because this guy literally just like decomposed like that right in front of them. And I love it because the guard that's standing back in the back with a straight face, he goes, he chose poorly. <laughs> You're like, yeah, you think? <laughs> right? Yeah. I think, unfortunately, a lot of us, we view God's will in our lives like that, that we have all these choices of where should I go to school? What should my major be? Where should I live? Who should I date? What, what kind of job should I pursue? And we kind of have this view of, you know what, if I get it wrong, I'm going, my life will disintegrate before my eyes. But then somebody like, yes, that's how I feel about it. Or, or, or we, and, but it's even more pressure because we feel like if we get it right, then it'll be the perfect life. It'll be awesome. There's a lot of pressure when you view your life that way, right? One more, I'll call it corn maze Christianity. Y'all, a lot of y'all been to the corn maze, right? Shake your head, yes, you know what I'm talking about. Corn maze, it's all about, you got the clues there, which if you're like me, I normally look for the like toddler clues, because otherwise I'll be lost in there forever. <laughs> you, you got the clues, and you know, it's funny because people get frustrated when they get lost or can't find their way. I think a lot of us, we tend to view God's will like that, that it's like we're in this maze, and the only way to get out is to read all the clues perfectly. And, I, and I, man, I can't take any wrong turns. It's a stressful way to live life, right? But here's the, help me out here. Do most of us view God's will like that? Yes, right? Now, some of y'all are looking at me like, mm-hmm, yeah. Why is that? Why do we freak ourselves out? I'm gonna, we're gonna, I don't normally do this. We're going to put some notes on the screen. Why do we, why do we tend to freak out about God's will and, and put so much stress on. I think the first one, number one, is we genuinely want to please God. So I think for a lot of y'all, like legitimately, the idea of, of choosing something that would not please God like scares you and, and freaks you out a little bit. And I respect that. The problem is we're going to see through this series, this three-week series, we're going to see in this series, that's, it, that's a really bad understanding of God's will. If, you, if, if you're living under this burden of 
man, if I choose the wrong thing, God's going to be upset at me. It's just a misunderstanding of God's will. We're going to talk about that more later tonight. Second reason I think we tend to freak out about God's will is we have a lot of choices. I was talking about this with uh, Macy outside earlier. You know, in generations past, they didn't really have choices because life was much simpler. So it wasn't like you had all these people to choose from to get married. A lot of times it was an arranged marriage or you, like, you lived in a small community and you just like hoped that there was someone close to your age, right? Or as far as a job, you just, there weren't really options. You just did what your parents did. So this, this whole idea that we're just overwhelmed with options is really kind of a new thing. Um, and I don't know that we should view the options as necessarily like a godly thing. Let me, let me read this to you. This is a quote from Barry Schwartz. He's a, a psychologist and professor. And talking about his students, he says, They have multiple interests and capabilities. They have gobs of talent and opportunities. The world is wide open to them. But instead of reveling in this freedom, most find it agonizing. Did you agree with that? You look at all the choices and you're like, I hate it. <laughs> They're forced to navigate between competing interests, making money, and making a difference, challenging their minds and channeling their creativity, focusing on a career and leaving time for a family, settling down and traveling abroad for a while, starting a career and trying another internship, living in a bustling city like Lubbock and, or resting in a, in a rural, rural location, going to work right away or going on for more schooling. Kevin DeYoung, the guy that wrote the book that I was showing you a second ago, kind of along the same lines, comments, he says, this is like, this kind of slapped me in the face. I wrote dang after I read this. Perhaps our eagerness to know God's will is less indicative of a heart desperately wanting to obey God and more about our head spinning with all the choices to be made. A lot of the times we're freaking out about God's will is because we just have a lot of choices. So we're going to see as we go through this series, sometimes you just got to you just got to make a decision. That's why the book's called Just Do Something. A lot of times we, we struggle because there's so many choices. I think a third reason that we, we freak out about God's will is that we're cowards. Here's what I mean by that. We love safety and success. We want, so here's what we do. We pray, God, just show me your will. And here's what we're really saying. God, please show me your will. I think a lot of us, me, and chief of sinners right here, do this a lot. In my heart, what I'm really saying is, God, I want my life to be really good, free from pain. I don't want to get hurt. I don't want to get killed. I want to be really successful. So, God, if you could just make this happen and all those things turn out great, that would be awesome. Can you agree with that? I think most of us, we're, we're, we're just cowards. So we're, when we're asking God's will, what we're really doing is, God, please show me the right way because I don't want to have to go through a difficult time. Please show me the direction because I don't want my life to be hard. What's, what's the problem with that? Thinking about the Bible and people in the Bible, what's the problem with that? Say it again. Absolutely. Sometimes it's supposed to be difficult. I hate to like tell you this, but... In the Bible, there's times where very clearly God puts people in difficult situations. It's supposed to be difficult. And, and sometimes following God and actually doing his will is actually really dangerous. 
I've said it, everyone's said it. You've heard the phrase, the safest place to be in the center of God's will is in the center of God's will. I don't know. Here's what I mean is, um, uh, this example that came to mind, I don't know why. So in, in April, I get the opportunity, really, I'm really excited about it, I can tell you about it later, but in April, I get a chance to go on a, like a two-week trip to India on a, a kind of a mission thing to work with some pastors there. In general, I think Lubbock is a little safer than India, right? Um, but do I, do I feel like it's God's will for me to go on this trip? I really do. But it's actually, in some ways, you could say it's more dangerous over there. So the idea that I think we have a false sense of security. Man, if I'm doing what God wants me to do, everything will be perfectly easy and safe. Not always true. Think about Daniel. Daniel, did he live for God and follow God's will in the, in the, in, in the Bible? Yes. Did he go through some really hard and dangerous times? Yes. I don't know about y'all, but being thrown in a lion's den, that's kind of dangerous. <laughs> I don't recommend it, actually. If you can avoid that, don't do it. <laughs> Esther, man, I, Lauren, Lauren's got a series on Esther, by the way. <laughs> Sorry, we have a little inside joke about that. Anyways, um, Esther, when her, her well, I always, always think it was her uncle, but it's really her, her older cousin, Mordecai, comes to her and says, hey, look, Haman's going to kill all the Jews if you don't do something. And at first, she's like, I don't want to do anything. And he's like, no, really, you should do something. And so, you know what she says? Tell the people to pray and fast. And I love this. She doesn't say, tell them to pray and fast. And if I get a peace about it, and if we all feel good about it, I'm going to go to the king. By the way, let me back up for a second. She knows that going to the king without him first like summoning her and calling her could end up in her being, with her being killed. So knowing that doing the right thing could cost her life, she says, hey, y'all pray, but regardless of, of how you feel about it, I'm going to go do this. Man, she's pretty bold. Most of us are like, All right, if I get a piece and if I feel 100% sure about it, then I'll go do it. Esther's like, bump that. I'm going to do the right thing. I love it. Y'all pray and fast for three days. I'm going to talk to the king. <laughs> Jesus. This is the easy question. Did he follow God's will? You guys are really smart. Yes. Yes. Did he end up in some dangerous and painful situations? Absolutely. What about Paul? Absolutely. Beaten, mocked, tortured, slandered. Was he following God's will? Yeah. A lot of times we put the brakes and we refuse to make a decision and do something with our lives because we're scared. We, we, don't, we, can't, we can't see the future. We're like, man, what if, it ends up, what if it ends up being difficult? And God's saying, quit being a coward. Just, just do something. I think a fourth final reason, I need to, I need to pick up my pace here a little bit. Our for, a fourth final reason that I think we, we freak out about God's will is because we're looking for perfect, how do I say this? We want perfect fulfillment. Here's what I mean by that. We, we expect perfect fulfillment out of this life. Should we? No, absolutely not. We, for whatever reason, I think it's our culture and, and human nature, we feel like in this life we can have perfect fulfillment. Here's the problem. When, when you're looking for perfect fulfillment in this life and, you, and every decision must result in perfect happiness, the problem is that every decision all of a sudden becomes really significant and weighty, right? So if it's like, because we have this idea of, man, i got to choose this, the perfect school, because if I choose the perfect school, man, I'll have the perfect life, I'll find the perfect spouse, I'll find the perfect job, it'll be, the, it'll be perfect. And so then all of a sudden it's like, oh my gosh, I don't know where to go to school. And like, you just 
lose your mind over it. And I think, honestly, God's saying, hey, just pick a school. Perfect fulfillment. John 16, 33, Jesus says, in this world you will have what? Tribulation. It's going to be hard. It's going to be difficult. Hebrews 13, 15, I can't never remember this. I'm just going to have to read it to you. Hebrews 13, 15, excuse me, excuse me, Hebrews 13, 14. For here on this world, we have no lasting city. So it's fading. All the things that we love and think are going to fulfill us, they're going away. But we seek the city that is to come. That nothing on this earth will ever perfectly satisfy you. So you know what? You don't have to keep stressing over every decision because you know what? No decision you make is going to result in perfect happiness. Does that make sense? We're gonna, the next thing I want to talk about is, is the, the problems with the typical way we view God's will. I think I described it as um, uh, they have problems with freaking out about God's will. So what I mean is here's, here's a couple of problems with this. Uh, this like, tra- well, when I say traditional, I mean we've done it for a long time. This traditional way of, of freaking out about God's will and saying, all right, I'm not going to make a decision until I have perfect peace. I'm not going I'm not going to do anything until I until I know for sure until God makes it so clear until he gives me a sign, until he gives me the clue I'm not going to do anything. Here's a couple of problems with that. The first one, it suggests that we have a sneaky God. It suggests that God is up in heaven and he has this perfect plan laid out for us and he's going to he expects us to live it out. He's going to hold us accountable for it, but he's not going to tell us what it is. We don't, we don't say it like that, but that's how most of us view it. That God has this perfect plan. He's not going to tell me what it is, but he is going to expect me to follow it. Is that the kind of God that comes and dies on a cross for you? No. No. Second, th- second problem, it encourages us to worry about the future. I think when the, the kind of in the traditional way of freaking out about God's will, what should I do? What should I do? It's really just an excuse to worry about the future. Does that make sense? Matthew 6.34 says, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. So Jesus is saying, hey, don't, don't worry about tomorrow and like this perfect plan and whether you should turn right or turn left. Just obey me today. How about that? Don't worry about tomorrow. Third thing, problem, is it's a misunderstanding of God's will. I kind of hinted at this earlier, but when we freak out about God's will and we, we expect this, man, show me this perfect path so I can have perfect happiness, it's really a misunderstanding of God's will. So I, I want to kind of finish up tonight. We're, we're getting close. I want to look at just two quick things, and then from that we'll get our big idea. Two quick things about God's will in Scripture. First one, God is in control. God is in control. This is what we call um, God's will of decree. So we could say it this way, um, God gets what he wants. Let me say this, like we're, this is not the time to have like a debate of God's sovereignty versus free will. It's not what we're doing. But simply, big picture, like every Christian would have to agree with this, that, that God is in control. And ultimately, big picture, God gets what he wants. Um, turn real quick to James chapter 4. 
James chapter 4. James 4, and we're going to look at verse 13. James 4, 13. Come now, you who say, today or tomorrow we will go into such and such a town and spend a year there and trade and make a profit. Yet, you don't even know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? For you are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. I think this verse teaches a lot of, or this passage teaches us a lot of things. I think one of the biggest things it teaches is we should have a humble heart about our lives and our plans because why? God is in control, right? So I can plan and try to have this perfect plan in my life, but ultimately God's in control anyways. So I don't have to stress over that. Turn now to the left. To go to, we're going old school. Isaiah 46. <clears throat> Isaiah 46. I'll give you a second to turn there. So it's kind of sort of towards the middle of the Bible. It's to the right of Psalms and Proverbs, if that helps any. Isaiah 46. I'm gonna, we're going to look at verse, verses 9 through 10. Remember the former things of old, for I am God and there is no other. I am God and there is none like me, declaring the end from the beginning and from ancient times things not yet done saying, my counsel shall stand, and I will accomplish all my purpose. God is in control. He's in control. So whatever happens in my life, man, he, he's in control, and he's, he's going to get done what he wants to get done. God is in control. Second thing, this is huge, God has already told us what to do. They're like, well, you haven't told me. I haven't gotten any clues from God. God has already told us what to do. Have you ever heard of the Ten Commandments? Are we supposed to do those? Yes. Don't lie. Don't steal. Put God first. What about the Beatitudes and in, in, in the Gospel of Matthew? Jesus says, hey, this is, this is what it looks like to follow me and put other people first. Seek me first. Don't, don't be angry. Don't lust. Don't, don't lust after a woman. Man, let your light shine. Show, let other people see my goodness, my glory. Has God already told us how to live? Yeah. 1 Corinthians 10.31 says, Whether you eat or drink, whatever you do, do it what? Do you know? What? what? Sorry. <laughs> For the Lord. <laughs> Sorry. I meant that in love. <laughs> is it for the, do it for the glory of God, which is pretty much what you said, right? Yeah, it's what you meant. I got you. Whatever you do, do it for God. It's almost like there's kind, of, there's kind of this attitude in the Bible of, hey, literally, whatever you do, do it for God. He's told us what to do. Mark 12, 29 through 31, this guy comes to Jesus and says, what's the most important commandment? And Jesus says, love the Lord your God with all your heart all your soul, all your mind, and all your strength. And the second is what? To love your neighbor as yourself. Has God already told you what to do? Yes. 
Matthew 20, 18 through 20. Man, so such a cool, what a bold statement. Jesus comes up to the disciples, says, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Dang. <laughs> King of kings, I don't need an election, right? It's all mine. He says, so, it's such a bold statement. All authority is mine. So here's, how, here's what I want you to do with your life. Go, and my, my mission professor at Southwestern used to always say that I, the idea of this word is not a command to go, but as you are going, as you're living your life, make disciples. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to yeah, talk too fast, and teaching them to obey all that I've commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. What are you supposed to do with your life? Make disciples. Has God already told you what to do? Yeah. Now, so, some of you are like, Brandon, I want a better answer than that. Where, I, where am I supposed to go to school? What's my major? Who am I going to marry? That's God's, uh, that's more a will of direction. We're going to talk about that next week a little bit more because I know that question is still bothering you. But here's what I want you to get from Scripture tonight. Here's really the big idea. God is not so much concerned with where you live, what major you choose, or what job you pursue, as with whether or not you love him with your whole heart. So many of us, me included, worry, we spend so much time worrying about all the details and logistics of our lives. Where should I live? What should I do? Who should I, for you guys, who should I date? What should I do with my life? And really, our first question every day should be, God, how... Or no, we already know. Our first thing should be, am I, am I living for God today? Am I, do I love him? Am I pursuing holiness? If you're doing those things, what I'm trying to say, and I think what scripture would, would teach us, the other things, those are, like, you don't have to worry about those as much. Those are secondary. First priority is, man, do you love God? Are you living for him? Are you making much of his name? Again, God's not so much concerned with where you live, what major you choose, what job you pursue as he is with, does he have your heart? I think if God could, well, he is here tonight, but like if he literally like, boom, just showed up, incarnation, what? <laughs> and sat right here, he would look at you and say, hey, quit worrying so much about your story and just start loving and living for my story. How, how do you start to view God's will as simpler and bigger? That's how it is. Quit worrying so much about your story and just start loving and living for God's story. God's will is not like a rope swing. Got to time everything just right. Otherwise, you get jacked up. It's not <laughs> like getting the Holy Grail that if you choose wrong, you're going to disintegrate on the spot. <laughs> it's not a corn maze that you got to find all the right clues. You're going to end up in the middle of nowhere. It's more like this. It's like God is a conductor. And he invites you to be part of his symphony orchestra. And man, he's amazing. He's an incredible conductor. He writes incredible pieces. And man, he, he makes it worth playing and showing up to practice and showing up to, 
to the shows. That's probably not the right word, but he makes it worth it because he's so incredible. And you know what? In God's orchestra, he's really not so worried about what instrument you play or what seat you decide to sit in or end up sitting in. He's really more concerned that you just keep your eyes on him and that you strum or beat or pluck your life to the rhythm of his song. Simple. But because you're part of his orchestra, it's a lot bigger than your little song could have ever been. Quit worrying about all the details, logistics. Just every day, God hears my heart. I want to live for you. I want to make much of you. Make much of Jesus wherever life takes you, whatever you do, and whoever you're with. It's a lot simpler and bigger than we thought. I'm going to pray for us. I want us to kind of be honest with God. Go ahead and bow your head and close your eyes. (coughs) Excuse me. Just consider... Where's your heart at? Again, we've all been there, so don't beat yourself up over it. We, I think we all have done this. We all tend to worry so much about our story and forget to just enjoy being part of God's story. So I'm going to ask yourself, what are you more concerned about right now? Are you more concerned about the logistics of your life or just loving Jesus? <laughs> As you're sitting there, Make this a simple prayer. You can, you know, express your heart however you want to, but I think it'd be good to say, God, I, forgive me for being obsessed with my story and the details of my life. Lord, help me just to enjoy being part of your story and, and making much of you. Help me to quit looking for perfect fulfillment in every decision and realize that you're the only thing that satisfies God, help me to just trust you with every decision. And Lord, just to to play my life to the rhythm of your song and enjoy being part of something bigger than myself. God, we love you. We're thankful that you are in control. And so God, because... You're not a risk because you're a rock. We can take risk. Even when, even when things aren't clear before us, even when we're not sure how things are going to turn out, we can, we can take a risk because you're a rock. God, thank you that even though we so often have really foolish ideas about your will and freak out and think that we control our own destiny if we make the wrong decision or the right decision, God, thank you that you still love us and pursue us And hold us in your hands. I pray that all of us, starting right now, would begin just to make loving you and making much of you and pursuing holiness the top priority and the top concern of our life. And Lord, that help us to know that as we seek you and your righteousness, all other things are going to take care of themselves, God, because you're going to take care of them. So help us to trust you. 
Lord, it's in your name we pray. Amen.